Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Midsummer. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Who here has rejoiced and glad in it so far? Do you rejoice? Are, are you glad in the Lord and in this day? It's good to be here. It's good to get together and praise the Lord as His people. And what a privilege we have to open up His Word together. His Word that is truth, His Word that is life. And uh, I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the biggest psalm there is. The psalm that we read through together last week, Psalm 119. That was a great service, by the way. Uh, I, I, was, I was really encouraged as we just sat and listened to God's Word being read. Our readers did a fantastic job, but, but just to be ministered to through the Word and the Spirit, what a blessing. Something we need to make a practice of. Uh, as a church, we, we are a people who stand on the Word of God. That's it. As a preacher, that is why I'm here. I'm here to preach the Word of God. I'm not here to give you my opinion. I've, I've got a lot of them, but I'm not here to do that. I'm here to preach what God's Word says. And that is, that is what we're going to do today as we turn to this incredible psalm. Psalm 119, as we saw last week, it's been called the, the Mount Everest of the Psalms. 176 verses. Uh, amazing. Uh, and today we are going to look at the, the first eight. Now you might be wondering, like I, I, I love the idea of just preaching through this thing, but that will take me 26 years. I've done the math on it. Um, I, I'm exaggerating there. Uh, there. There are certain ways you can preach this, this book. Um, many preachers don't attempt it, and I understand why. And uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on the first section, first eight verses of Psalm 119. Uh, next week, we're going to focus on the second section. So Aleph, we saw last week, we, the book is divided up in, in this acrostic alphabetical pattern. Um, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and there are 22 sections corresponding to those letters in this incredible psalm. Aleph is the first one based on the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and all the lines in the section that we're looking at today begin with that letter, Aleph. Now, next week we'll look at Beth, the second, and then we're going to wrap up the series <laughs> the next week uh, with, with uh, not a summation of just those two parts, but how we go about studying this on our own. Uh, that is, I think, where the rubber meets the road for us, is uh, being equipped and, and able to, to study God's Word for ourselves. So, that's where we're going, a little snapshot. Um, now, before we jump into this passage, uh, I am reminded of a couple of quick announcements, so I'm just going to pause there and say this. We prayed for Imad Nelmas and Timothy and Nathaniel. They will be coming here to Canada in a couple weeks' time. On the 23rd, I believe... Uh, their flight comes in, and they need a ride from the airport to where they will be staying here in Kitchener. And so we are looking for someone who has a vehicle big enough to accommodate the four of them and probably quite a bit of luggage uh, that morning. It's, it's Saturday the 23rd, and um, it would be from Pearson to Kitchener. So if you or anyone you know of... Uh, has a vehicle and, and could, uh, could lend it or be the driver for them, uh, could, could you please let us know? 
because we would love to bless them in that way, make sure that they're able <laughs> to get uh, to, to Kitchener from the airport. <clears throat> all right. I think that's the only announcement I had. Um, all right. We'll move on now. Back to God's Word. Thank you for that little, your patience in that little advertisement there. In 1886, um, evangelist Dwight L. Moody, the namesake of Moody Bible Institute, hosted a series of revival meetings in Stockholm, Massachusetts. And one night at one of those meetings, a young man stood up at the end of the, the meeting and he said this, I'm not quite sure how, but I am going to trust and I am going to obey Jesus. The music leader at that event, a man by the name of Daniel B. Towner, jotted that sentence down, and he sent it to his friend, the Reverend J.H. Samus, who was a Presbyterian minister. And J.H. Samus ended up writing these lyrics based on what that man said. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all those who trust and obey. Trust and obey. Are you with me? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I grew up singing that here. It's got to be one of our favorite hymns we sing. It's such a beautiful, true message for us. And uh, most hymns of the faith expound upon a passage of Scripture. Uh, but in the case of trust and obey, we're not sure if Reverend Samus had a specific scripture in mind. Over the years, hymnologists have suggested different passages as possible inspiration behind these lyrics. They've, they've suggested 1 John 1.7, 1 Samuel 15.22, and I looked those up, and it, it's not that those don't fit, but I'm really surprised that no one that I could find has suggested our passage today as the possible inspiration behind this incredible hymn, at least the first verse and chorus. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. I'm going to ask you to do something with me now. I'm going to ask you to stand, and together, in unison, or as close to that as we can, we're going to read through Psalm, not the whole thing, just Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. Here's, here's what it says. You can follow along on the screen. <clears throat> Aleph. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you for joining me. I can't think of a better passage that, that fits uh, those, those lyrics we just read there, trust and obey, than, than this incredible passage here in Psalm 119, 1 to 8. In fact, I think it serves as a simple but profound commentary on this passage. 
Uh, as we saw last week, Psalm 119 is a long but incredible, or some might say incredibly long, masterpiece of poetry. Divided, again, into 22 sections, the, uh, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And, and what we see right out of the gates, the psalmist, we don't know who he is. We had some ideas about that last week, but the point is we're not told who wrote this psalm. What we are told is that he loves the law of the Lord. And this psalm is about the law of the Lord. It's, it's a psalm focused on the power, the purity, the perfection of the word of God and its importance in the lives of believers. Um, it's the ultimate devotion on God's word. It's what God's word says about itself. That's what we have here. And uh, the very first word that the psalmist uses to describe God's word in this psalm is right there in verse one. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Word law is the Hebrew word Torah. And it means instruction. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the instruction, the law, the Torah of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Um, we talk in the church about the importance of Bible study. We, we know that. We, we say we, we have Bible study, prayer meeting, Bible study. We, we talk about the importance of studying the scriptures. We talk about the need to, to be in God's word and to love God's word and to follow God's word. But I can't tell you the last time I ever heard a Christian say, oh, how I love the law. Of the Lord. I delight in the law. I got up this morning and I was just into the law of the Lord. Studying his law. Meditating on the law of the Lord. Um, the law, yes, it, it includes the Ten Commandments. God's rules and regulations for righteous living, but it also includes all of his written word, all of the instruction he gives us. So to be clear, the law, Torah, is much more than the Ten Commandments, but it is not less than the Ten Commandments. Indeed, the Ten Commandments are at the core of God's law. Here's what John Calvin said about it. The whole of Scripture is nothing else than an exposition of the law of the Lord. God is only rightly served when his law is fully obeyed. And here's the thing about God's law today. It is offensive to this world. The fact is, we are living in an antinomian society. Anti meaning against, nomian or nomos meaning law, against the law. Even though our country was founded upon God's law, our society and culture completely oppose, reject, and, and, and in fact have gone to great lengths to discard of God's law. And um, slowly, surely, frighteningly, that thinking has crept into the church. We attended a, a church not too long ago where we took one of their pamphlets home. And going through this pamphlet, we read this slogan. At this church, 
we're not about the do's and don'ts. We're about God's love. I think that's a big problem. Because if we're not about the do's and don'ts of God's law, we don't understand God's love, and we clearly do not understand what the Bible says. We need to be careful that we we don't pit God's love against God's law. God's law is not the problem, my friends. Our sin is. All the, the burdens and troubles and struggles that we face in our lives are because of sin, our sin. And the psalmist knew that. And he knew that walking with the Lord by trusting and obeying his word set him free from the slavery of sin. He knew that true freedom, true happiness, true blessing come from walking according to the law of the Lord. And so it is my prayer today that as we study this psalm, the eyes of our hearts would be opened or perhaps reopened for some of us to the power and perfection of God's law and that we would savor it, treasure it as we should by immersing ourselves in it and obeying it just as the writer of Psalm 119 does, as he longs to do. Now, this psalm opens with a beatitude, okay? Um, And... It's a proclamation of blessing. What we see here is blessedness proclaimed. And here we see something incredible, I believe. I think what we see in these three verses is God's purpose, not just for this psalm, but for all of Scripture laid out here for us. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. That right there is the ultimate goal. God is showing us the path of blessedness. The word blessed or blessed means truly happy. Happiness. It's the same word that begins the Psalms in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand on the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is that man who delights in the law of the Lord. Happy is he, truly fulfilled. He prospers in all he does. That's how that goes on to read in Psalm 1. Um, This is uh, what Jesus said. Jesus uses the equivalent Greek word in in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes that we see there. Well, according to Psalm 119, verse 1, blessedness, true happiness, comes to those whose ways are blameless. This verse uh, can be translated, oh, the happiness of those whose ways are undefiled or are blameless. That Hebrew word means unblemished, perfect, without fault, complete, whole, holy, holy. God doesn't just want us to be happy. He calls us to be holy. All throughout the book of Leviticus, five times, the Lord says, be holy because I am holy. As his people, that is our calling, to be holy because he's holy. Peter repeats that in 1 Peter 1.16. 
True happiness comes through holiness. Blessedness comes through blamelessness. And blamelessness, my friends, comes by walking according to the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. In fact, we wouldn't know what blamelessness was if God didn't tell us in his word, in the law. Reformed theologian James Montgomery Boyce put it this way. I like how he, said, how he put this. The reason we are not happy is that we sin, and the main reason we sin as much as we do is that we do not know the Bible well enough. I uh, said last week that little slogan, sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. Which is it? Human beings do not know how to achieve true happiness, continues Boyce, apart from being instructed by God's word. Plain and simple. You're trying to find happiness? You won't do it apart from here, apart from walking with the Lord in the light of his word through faith in Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Now, God's word comes to us in three basic categories. We've got God's commands, God's promises, and God's warnings. So God gives a command, and people have a choice to either obey or disobey his command, his law. With obedience comes blessing, delight, promises, peace with God and with others. But with the warning, on the other hand, come consequences, curses, trouble, struggle, discipline for disobedience. That's how it works. And so God's purpose, not just in this psalm, but in all of Scripture, is that we might know the blessedness of blamelessness, the happiness of holiness, which comes by walking in obedience to the law of the Lord. Walking obediently. Walking, by the way, means living. Same word. It's a habitual pattern in our lives, hour by hour, day by day. As the song says, being happy in Jesus happens when we what? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, his law. But walking daily by his law requires keeping it, as we see in verse 2. Blessed are those who, who keep his statutes. Word keep means doing, right? Not just hearing, doing. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You have to do it. Do what it says. Back to trust and obey. When we, what? When we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all those who trust and obey what? His word, right? Okay, so keeping the law of the Lord. Okay, how do we do that? Well, keeping comes through seeking the law, or seeking the Lord of the law, rather. Keeping the law of the Lord comes through seeking the Lord of the law with what? With all of our heart. The psalmist is clear here. It's all or nothing. Blessedness comes only to those who seek the Lord completely with all their heart. We see this repeated all throughout the scriptures, don't we? Uh, it's interesting. People love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a theme verse for a lot of people. It's a great verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. But they often forget what, what follows that. What the Lord requires of us. Here's what we read in verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you what? When you seek me with all your heart. Forget about the prospering thing. Doesn't matter if you're not seeking the Lord with all your heart. 
Here's what we read, Deuteronomy 4.29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, with everything. And then in Mark 12.29, when Jesus is asked about the most important commandment in the law, he says the most important one is this. Love the Lord your God with what? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second commandment's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. All. It's all or nothing. Now, the word heart here in verse 2, that means our intellect, our will, and our emotions, our affections. It refers to all of that. See, God's law isn't ultimately kept with the head, but, but with the heart. The great preacher Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who I love to quote, he said this, it is in vain that we endeavor to comprehend the Lord by reason. God is not truly sought by the cold researches of the brain. We must seek him with the heart. Love reveals itself to love. So we need to ask ourselves, are we keeping his statutes out of obligation to him or adoration for him? Are we truly seeking him with all of our hearts? Because you know how you know? You know if you're in here. This is how we seek the Lord, with all of our hearts. It's in his word. This is how he has chosen to reveal himself to us, praise the Lord. He has given us his written word that testifies to an awesome, almighty, holy, majestic creator God who so loved the world he created that he gave his one and only son Jesus to die for sinners. And we know and believe that, my friends, because he's revealed it to us here in his written word. And so it is here that we are to seek him with all of our heart. Love for God and devotion to his word go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You can't say you love God and that you're seeking him if you're not diligently studying, seeking him, seeking his will through his word. Um, so, the blessedness of blamelessness comes by keeping his statutes and seeking him with all of our hearts through his word, which brings us to verse 3, where the psalmist recaps what he's just said. This is a, a common device in Hebrew poetry. It's called parallelism. And here's what we read. He describes the person, the blessed person who walks according to the law of the Lord, who's blameless in all their ways. He says they do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. Their lives are marked by happiness and holiness. Why? Because they trust and obey the law of the Lord. Which brings us now to a critical turning point in the psalm. We're only three verses in, but this is where the whole psalm shifts for the rest of the 176 verses. Uh, what happens? Well, the psalmist has proclaimed what blessedness is in the first three verses, what true happiness requires, and now we see Blessedness pursued. How? Through prayer. Through prayer, the psalmist pursues blessedness by turning to God in this passionate prayer. Here's what we read. You have laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. 
Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Okay, you see, it gets personal here. Notice the first three verses, it's all about them, right? Blessed are they, those who keep his statutes, who seek him with all their hearts. But now, this is about him. From this point on, the rest of the 176 verses read like a personal prayer diary as the psalmist pours out his heart in prayer to God, whom he addresses directly, look at as you, right? Now he's talking to God, you, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Um, he... Uh, he, he addresses God directly, and he knows what God demands. He knows that God demands full obedience, as we see there in verse 4. He knows that blessedness depends on his obedience, and so he pleads for help from God, not just to understand God's commands, but for the ability to actually obey them. You can hear the passion in verse 5 in his, in his cry, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees that my ways were steadfast. The implication is that his ways weren't steadfast, by the way. He's been disobedient. He's fallen short. He knows the good he ought to have done, but he hasn't done it. And so he's ashamed, as we see here. When he compares his life to the standard of God's word, when he considers all God's commands, as we read in verse 6, and so just a few verses into this incredible psalm, my friends, we discover something we discover that the psalmist is actually a lot like us. He struggles. He struggles to obey. He's not yet the happy, blessed, obedient person that, that he's describing in the first three verses. He wants to be. He, he wants to obey. He wants to be steadfast, but he's not there yet. And so he prays for the power to obey so that he would not be put to shame. And then he makes this resolution. Look at this. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws, and I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. We hear desperation in those words, do not utterly forsake me, don't we? He knows the word of God, he loves the word of God, and therefore he's so conscious of his inability apart from the work of God in his life to do what it says, to live by it. And he knows that if God did forsake him, he'd be lost. But what has God promised? God has promised his people, Deuteronomy 31, I will never leave you, I will never what? Forsake you. He will never abandon us. Instead, he promises to abide with us forever. Just as the song says, when we do his good will, he abides with us still, with all those who trust and obey. And uh, this is ultimately why God gave his one and only son who was forsaken so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. Uh, you see, I believe what we're looking at here is more than a human resolution to God to be obedient. It's not just a promise to God, it's, it's God's promise to us. 
It's God's divine guarantee fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who alone was obedient. Because of Jesus, we can pray and we can say confidently with the psalmist, I will praise you with an upright heart. I will obey your decrees. We've seen blessedness proclaimed, blessedness pursued in prayer. Well, ultimately, blessedness here is promised, personified, and perfected in Jesus. Jesus is the prototype and fulfillment of Psalm 119, these verses He was the only one, think about this, he was the only one whose ways were truly blameless, who was actually able to walk according to the law of the Lord and keep his statutes, who was actually able to seek the Lord with all of his heart, who did nothing wrong, who walked in all of his ways, and who perfectly obeyed God's will and completely fulfilled the righteous requirements of God's law in the most excruciating way possible. By taking the full weight of our sin, the full force of God's wrath against our sin, as Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.10. Why? Because this is what God's law demands And God's love met the requirements of God's law. His law, based on his righteous, holy character, demands that justice be satisfied. Look at this. In Romans 8, we read this. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, God condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Wow. Wow. If we are in Christ, if we have repented of our sin and turned in faith to God's only Son, Jesus, who alone obeyed and perfectly satisfied God's law, this verse tells us that the law is fully met in us, which means we're no longer slaves to the fear of breaking the law We are now free in Christ Jesus, equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do what is pleasing to him, to actually obey the law and do what it says, to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Um, Do you see the beauty in this? I'm just going to close with those lyrics once again. And uh, this is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for us. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all those who trust and obey, who take God at his word who love the law because they realize that that Christ has fulfilled it and we are in Christ. His spirit is in us and he empowers us to do what God's word says. When we walk according to the word, when we trust in the Lord, trust and obey for there's no other way to be blessed, to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wonderful word. I thank you for this message here, Father, that, that we need to take to heart. Father, we need, as we've read here today, we need to seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, there are many of us here who just aren't doing that. If we're being honest, your word, your law is, is an afterthought some days. We know the good we ought to be doing, but, but we don't do it. And so, Father, help us to pray along with the psalmist. Oh, that I would be steadfast in obeying your decrees. Father God, help us to, to love your word, to love you by doing what your word says, to prove it that way, Father, to be obedient by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, enable us, empower us, inspire us to find ourselves early in the morning in your word, meditating on it, allowing your word to, to nourish our heart and our soul so that we would walk according to your way, according to your word every day. And so that we would be blessed, that we would be happy in Jesus, that we would be blameless and holy because you are holy God. And you've paid that we could be counted as righteous and holy too. We thank you for the matchless gift of our salvation in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray today that we would go from this place, shining your light, walking according to your word, that we would trust and obey, be happy in Jesus, and bring you honor and glory as we do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As you may have already guessed, Trust and Obey is our closing hymn. So I invite you to stand with us now as we close today and sing it loud together.
pronounce the benediction invite you all to join us for a time of fellowship in the gymnasium uh, coffee and cookies and whatever else they're serving today it'll be great to see you and have a visit get caught up um, but now receive the lord's blessing from hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21 may the god of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our lord jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord bless you.